Welcome to Legend Lore with Luis and Lauren, where we talk about Pathfinder 2nd Edition. I'm Luis, and I'm a senior developer at Paizo, working on the Pathfinder Lost Omens line. I've been playing tabletop RPGs for over 15 years, and I've written for dozens of Pathfinder products. I'm also the GM for Valiant, and I write the Monstrous Physique blog here on the No Direction Network. And I'm Lauren. I've been playing RPGs for 20 years, I've contributed to multiple Pathfinder blogs and podcasts, and I'm currently a grad student in the field of animal intelligence. And this week, we're talking about our Lord and Iron, Gorum. Now, before we get started, we want to say that although we know a lot about what we're talking about when it comes to Pathfinder, we want to remind you that we're not providing any kind of official answers or rulings here. We're here to offer advice, and you can use that however you like. Remember that the official word from Paizo is the only official ruling out there. But don't forget, it's your game. Do what works best for your table. Now, to my knowledge, Luis, Gorm only has, like, the one extra moniker, Our Lord and Iron, right? But it feels like he could have more. Yeah, um, I guess he could be something like the Battle Lord. Like the or, Battle Lord, yeah. Uh, something like that. But yeah, Our Lord and Iron is very... He, he's the very no-nonsense guy and seems like you get one moniker and that's what he's going to stick with. There's no sense in wasting time getting more names. Oh, that makes sense. He's a no-nonsense kind of guy. Mm-hmm. So, Gorm is chaotic neutral and he is the god of battles. Let's go fight to, to praise his name. Yes, the god of battle, of strength, and of weapons, at least according to his stats in 2e he is one of the 20 core deities which i think we're planning to talk about most of them as time goes on but we decided let's get started with the the biggest and baddest of them all at least depending on who you ask gorham uh and he is all about physical might and using that might to prove yourself in battle being the uh the mightiest in and finding victory in battle Gorm's symbol is a mountain with a sword stuck in it, mm-hmm. and he it, it appears as just a spiky suit of armor, and you can see his burning red eyes from underneath the helmet. Yeah, he's just a big, scary knight, very <laughs> World of Gorecraft, uh, overly designed with lots of spikes and sp- stuff all over, but it's great. It's a great look, and he, he wields a great sword which is also uh, his uh, favorite weapon. So just imagine the biggest, scariest, evilest, even though he's not evil, uh, but, you know, most death metal knight that you can think of, and that's I, Gorham. I think we picked Gorham because he's, I think he's basically my favorite of the deities. Mm-hmm. I really like some of the some of the evil ones too. I just like, I just like a bad boy. But Gorham's definitely one of my favorite because he reminds me of Krom. And I feel like there was a lot of Krom inspiration when they were riding Gorum. Yeah, I think that is the case. Um, I think, in fact, what I, I've heard James Jacobs once say is that Gorum is, what if Krom found a suit of full plate? Oh, nice. <laughs> nice. So if you're going to worship Gorum, you have to follow his edicts. You will attain victory in fair combat keyword fair mm-hmm. you will push your limits and you will wear heavy armor uh, bonus points if it's iron but do not do a few things it is anathema to kill prisoners of war or a surrendering foe 
prevent conflict through negotiation. Look, guys, we don't have to talk about this. We could just punch each other. Yeah. <laughs> or to win battle through underhanded means or indirect magic. Another keyword. Because I feel like Gorm probably smiles on you if you throw fireballs in, into crowds of fodder. Mm-hmm. And if you read his write-up... Um, so, I guess I'll say real quick, the, the gods have existed for a long time in the Pathfinder setting, so they've had a lot of information. Uh, we use uh, a couple of different sources. Uh, gods and Magic... Uh, the Lost Omens Gods and Magic book for 2E, and I also looked into the 1E campaign setting book, Inner Sea Gods, which is very in-depth, and that says, hey, if you want to buff up before a combat, that's fine, but I think indirect magic would be things like, um, you know, poisoning someone or, like, causing them to, like, a feeble mind spell would be not the kind of thing he'd be into compared to uh, sneaking into the general and charming him so that you can talk peace Gorham would be so mad he'd be so mad if you love greater invisibility Gorham doesn't love you I don't think (laughs) Uh, yeah so in addition to his edicts and anathema Gorham as we said is chaotic neutral and in 2e at least allows only chaotic neutral or chaotic evil followers if you're coming in from the 1e days that was back when he would allow chaotic good, neutral, chaotic neutral, and chaotic evil, the way uh, alignments work. So it's a little different from the 1E days. As a devotee, you can choose between harm or heal for your divine font. You have a divine skill of athletics. So if you are a cleric, that is the bonus skill training that you have. There's also a favored weapon of great sword. He offers the confidence, destruction, might, and zeal domains as well as granting you True Strike, Enlarge, and Weapon Storm as additional spells. And finally, there's a, an extra thing that got added in uh, Gods and Magic. There is a background uh, that specifically is tied to a specific deity, and each deity provides a different set of ability score boosts with that background. So Gorham's divine abilities are either Strength or Constitution. So if you happen to be the, the worshiper who takes that background, that's what you're getting. Uh, a few extra little details, if you look at the Gods and Magic entry, it says his realm is in Elysium. It's a, a place called the Clashing Shore. He has no allies, but he does have enemies among Achekek, the, the god of the, the Red Mantis, Norgorber, and Urgothoa, and his temples are noted as armories, battlefields, and fortresses, with his worshippers being half-orcs, mercenaries, smiths, and soldiers. And finally, he has a sacred animal in the form of a rhinoceros, and his sacred colors are gray and red. So, all right, one of the things that I want to talk about when when we discuss these deities is I remember in the old second edition Dungeons and Dragons days, there was this whole book for the deities, but it listed in their specialty priests for each of the deities and talked about what your cleric of this deity would look like. What would a cleric and what would a champion of Gorham look like? Well, a priest of Gorham, if they're a cleric, is likely someone that, that fights, right? Uh, they, they fight regularly. The suggestion of his faith is that you are always trying to find a fight, at least every day of some kind. And sometimes that might just be a duel. And sometimes that might be an actual you know, combat that you go out there, there's a battle or a war that you're, you're part of. Um, but his, his cleric is likely someone who, at least following the rules, is 
taking the war priest um, option for, for the cleric, clad in heavier armor, and going out and fighting and being just like a tough, tough warrior out there. Uh, obviously, they have healing spells and other magic that comes with the divine, but they're probably more focused on blowing up their enemies or, or empowering themselves to do better in battle. Do you think Gorm would have any use for a cloistered cleric? Maybe like a historian of battles or someone who keeps the sacred scrolls of fighting, you know? Gorm doesn't care about history or the sacred scrolls or anything. Uh, The history of battles happens by chance within Gorm's faith, not necessarily by tradition or ritual. Um, There are not really any holidays uh, among uh, Gorham's faith. What happens is, you know, sometimes there's a notable fight that happened at a notable time and people remember like, oh yeah, hey, remember that fight we did last year at, you know, the um, the winter solstice, right? Wasn't that crazy? And then they chat about that and that kind of becomes a holiday for a bit, but then you forget about it and you remember other fights. There's there's no official holidays and as such, there's no record of uh, uh, of keeping track of what fights he fought or anything. I think you become the living proof uh, of, of the faith. If you survive, then you must have won battles, right? If you're dead, then at, at some point you lost your battle. But that's like a good thing too. That's a good way to go out is to eventually die in battle. Mm-hmm. Like these yeah. guys are, they, can I say they're very Nordic about it. <laughs> they want <laughs> to go to Elysium. Yeah, but they're also not foolish when it comes to combat uh, one thing that Gorham is totally cool with is retreating or surrendering because what Gorham sees that is not like oh you failed to win a battle it's oh you recognize that if I die here I can't keep fighting this is your chance to take a breather get a chance to come back and fight again and, and hopefully come victorious on the other end at that point but surrender and retreat is just another chance to fight again it's not giving up I don't, you know, I don't think that a specialty champion of Gorham is really going to be that much of a thing since you're kind of locked into good and evil. So you'd have to be like an evil champion. Yeah, you'd have to be specifically the, uh, what is it, the tyrant or there's there's the three. No, the anti-paladin is this a chaotic evil one. So you'd have to be an anti-paladin of Gorham, who's probably, you know, just as like anyone else, excited to go out and get into the fight and prove that they're the strongest, but they do so by, um, you know, not caring how they prove that they're strong or who they're fighting against. They're just they're just in it for the sake of the killing. Oh mm-hmm. boy, here I go killing again. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one thing that is important among Goromites, though, is noting that they're not, as we mentioned in the in the anathema, they're not into killing innocents or anyone that surrenders. Um, if they're innocent, they can't fight, right? And that's not someone who's worthy of fighting. And if it's someone that surrenders, they are like you, someone who could be looking to fight for another day, and you deny them that opportunity. So be careful about who you kill. Now, when we were brainstorming how to do our episodes on deities, we were we were thinking about coming up with, well, maybe I'll come up with, you know, two different interesting worshipers, and maybe you did. And I, I think, listeners, we decided that it would be more interesting to just go down each class and talk about if that would work well as a follower of that deity. So mm-hmm. to start it with, 
I think alchemists could make a, for a decent Goramite, you know, because you're building sure. bombs and blowing people up. Yeah, Gorum's totally fine with siege weapons and the like, so if you're throwing big bombs that blow people up, that's great. If you're drinking mutagens that make you stronger and then you wade into battle, that's perfect. So I don't see any problem playing a, a Goramite alchemist. Barbarian is like a prototypical Goramite. It's it's, it's the, the Ur-Goramite. It's the one, like, moving on, I think, right? <laughs> Witness me! <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Bard's interesting. Because, you know, then you get into, like, war songs, you know? Like, mm-hmm. especially, like, a battle muse bard. Oh, that would work yeah. really well. Yeah, a scald is a perfect Goramite, I think. Um, and leading the charge in the battle as a bard feels like a perfect kind of thing. Uh, I'm still... I still think the jury's out on Druid. So I have a take on Druid. I think... So, so we were talking about this before we started recording. Uh, you're concerned that, oh, druids are more concerned with nature first than it is battle. That's right? like their main thing is yeah. nature. But Gorham's main thing is battle. So like yes. you've got two different loves of your life that you have to kind of merge together. Guess what is constantly under threat from civilization? Well, I guess that would be nature. Nature. And guess what you do is you fight people off for, and, and protect nature as a result. You happen to just keep taking the fight to everyone. And sometimes you might like not even stand as a guardian of nature. You might take an active uh, role in defending nature. Hey, there are loggers here. I'm just going to go take them out now. Oh, but there's a city a mile or two away. I fear that they're going to start encroaching on my forest. Let's just go in and start a fight and get them out of here now. So you're, you're, you're like all... one of those activists that goes mm-hmm. too far. Mm-hmm. You're like, you're an eco-terrorist. Almost, yeah. And you can transform into a T-Rex, which is great strength to uh, provide in battle. Gorm probably does like T-Rexes. Mm-hmm. Or you can transform into a rhino. We know he loves those. He does love rhinos, yeah. <laughs> I think fighters probably, like, I, I, I bet if you go into a Gorm temple, which is, like, an armory or something, I feel like mm-hmm. half of the quote-unquote priests are just fighters. Yeah, probably. Gunslinger is interesting. They are also combat-focused, but there's there's nothing that says he can't be uh, someone who fights with range weapons or anything as a Goramite. I think he's more into using your actual strength and, and you know, wielding uh, a melee weapon. But gunslingers are fine, and they make big explosions, which is pretty cool. Gorm um, does like duels. The the thing is, th- uh, if anyone is slinging iron, I think it's a gunslinger. <laughs> That's true. Right? Yeah. So I, I, I think it, it, it ends up being a net positive for the gunslinger as, as a worshiper. And one of the gunslinger ways is like a siege engineer, isn't it? Yeah, there, there are ways to, to get really into that. So, yeah, no problem. I don't know if... Okay, I have two minds about Investigator. On yeah. one mind, I still think you can reflavor investigator to just be like a tactician in mm-hmm. which case it would work really well. Sure. But just like off the cuff, like Dick Tracy kind of investigator. I don't think that fits at all. Yeah. I, th- I think investigator has a harder time to do it. There's nothing that immediately 
supplements the the gore of flavor with the mechanics right there's no obvious like oh yeah take this option and that's that's how you do the the, the investigator sure you have your you can study your target and overcome them but that's you more using your wits and ingenuity than your outright strength right so i feel like gore i feel like a general laying out battle plans Mm-hmm. is also praying to Gorham at the same time. I think sure. that's one of his prayers, is laying battle plans. Yeah, but I think Gorham sees that as a secondary thing compared to, like, the might of combat, right? Compared. Yeah. So, if you want if you want to worship uh, a, a war god and be into tactics and stuff, there is a, a one in Knights of Last Wall, which is all about... She is lawful neutral and is all about the strategy of combat and stuff like that, rather than just the outright... Uh, might and brutality that is combat. Now, one of one of the worshippers from the book is a smith, and mm-hmm. is inventor not like the smith class. Yeah, you're you're making new weapons. You're 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 shaping that iron into new things and new ways to to defeat your foes. That's perfect. I don't know if Magus makes Gorm super happy, but I, I don't think he, he minds it either, you know? Yeah. He, like, you're Magus, still hitting people with swords. Yeah, the, the Magus tool set is more inclined to direct magic as opposed to the, the non-direct magic that his, uh, he's not really into. So you're, you're you know, blowing people up with shocking grasps or, or uh, the like. That That's still good. It's, it's just... Yeah, supplemental magic as opposed to indirect magic. Yeah, yeah, it's a little less just like Ur, strength, but mm-hmm. but you know who is our strength? That's the monks. Yeah, that is the monk. Um, there's a, a note about uh, Gorum appreciating Erori's search for like physical perfection, right? You know, you're gonna be stronger and stuff, but he's not so into the fact that that's all it is that it's not being used for any martial endeavors you become strong great but you don't go and fight anything what's your deal come on what's the point (laughs) so so monk you know that that is uh, very easy to yeah i'm just seeking physical perfection and then i'm gonna prove it by fighting people you are the ryu from street fighter always looking for the next big toughest fight battle oracle I mean, it's right there, right? Yeah, I uh, know. <laughs> that one works so well. That's such a good thing. I have a, a player in my one of my campaigns right now who is a battle oracle and is right alongside the cavalier and the ranger. Not the cavalier, the, the, the champion and the ranger. Uh, and doing just as well in melee combat as them. And it's just like, that's great. It, he, he proves it. He, he stands just as mighty as all the other warriors. With Dark Archive talking coming out let's talk about the psychic and the thaumaturge i feel like psychic doesn't fit psychic is uh yeah psychic is more like your your mind over matter kind of idea and until we see the final psychic you know there might end up being a a subclass of the psychic which is like the battle oracle or the battle muse that is focused on like the physical might um but yeah right now i think just like anyone, you can go out and improve yourself in battle and win and stuff. But are you doing so with the might in the way that Gorham likes to see it? Maybe not so much. You're going to win battles and that's going to be good. But maybe you're not living up to your full potential in Gorham's eyes. I think that's probably the best way to go about it. Because I feel like you could 
you could be like, watch me battle Gorum, and then like hit someone with a mind blast. And he'll give you a thumbs up, maybe, but it's not going to be like... I, I don't think it's what he's into that much. He's going to be a, a kind of disappointed dad <laughs> watching on. He's like, yeah, you did it, but like he's not going to be cheering from you from the sidelines. Now, I, th- I actually think the Thaumaturge would work pretty well. Because you mm-hmm. could get like these artifacts of battle, and you could mm-hmm. channel them to create more battle. Yeah, and... Um, you know, much like the investigator, you're finding the weaknesses of your foes, but you're exploiting them in different ways, I think. Well, maybe not so much. I guess they're, they're both kind of using your ingenuity. But, um, yeah, I think using your artifacts of battle, I think, is, is the best way to represent that as a thaumaturge. When it comes out, I guess we'll be able to see if it works a little bit more or less. Yeah, we'll see for sure. Now, every army, before they invade, what do they do? They, they do reconnaissance. They send out scouts, and nobody is a better scout than the ranger. That's true. And Gorham, it, it's mentioned that Gorham appreciates, you know, siege weapons and stealth and stuff like that as part of combat. He's more into direct fights, but knows when, when that is employed, that it's usually for good reason. There, there's, there's, there's room for that on his battlefield. So rangers are, are definitely within... Uh, Gorum's uh, good list. He's up there on the... Yeah, let's go for that, says Gorum. Just by the nature of how rogues work, I don't see it working that well. Like It's... I mean, they, they are, in a lot of cases, indirect combat, right? It just happens to be that they're flanking with their, their buddies or whatever to catch their foes off guard. And there is the, the ruffian rogue who's all about strength and intimidation and stuff. So there, there are ways to do it. It's not quite all the way there, the way that a fighter or a monk or a barbarian is. Uh... Back in ye olden days, it wasn't even called sneak attack. It was called backstab. Backstab. You yeah. know, and there's no way Gorm's into backstab. Um, Gorm's not into poisons and the like, but if you are a warrior that let your guard down and got backstabbed... Yeah, you know, maybe that's on you, right? I could see that. Yeah, like like in in the heat of battle, sure. But like if if you snuck into the general's encampment, you're, and backstab yeah, sneak, them. sneaking in and assassinating a general under the cover of darkness is not Gorham's way. But if you're in the fray of things and and you you see an opportunity and he sees it, great, go for it. Now, sorcerers actually a pretty decent fit because sorcerers can mm-hmm. sling fire, and they've got the dangerous sorcery feet, like. A blaster sorcerer is like a perfect worshiper. Mm-hmm. Or you could be someone like a draconic sorcerer who channels the strength of a dragon and goes into to combat that way. Right? Would I recommend that as a mechanically? You know, what should you be going into the fray uh, with a sorcerer? Maybe not, but that that's one way to represent that. I think. I'm gonna say that I think Gorm hates a summoner. Yeah, I feel like summoner. You're not doing the work. Yeah. You're not putting in the effort. You could have a very big, strong, beefy Eidolon, and maybe Gorum loves your Eidolon, but doesn't love you. He doesn't love you. Yeah. <laughs> Swashbuckler seems a little fancy, but you're still you're still doing battle. But like Gorum's he's our lord in iron. He's no nonsense. Swashbuckler's he, full of nonsense. He 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 would yell at you to like quit you know goofing around you obviously still get the job done but he just doesn't like your methods yeah yeah Ooh. Ooh, witch 
That's interesting. Which is interesting. Which is interesting. I feel like the fact that they do hexes and curses and the like generally um, is not really Gorham style. That's That feels very indirect in terms of combat. Sure, depending on what kind of witch you are, you can get blast spells and the like. But every witch is using hexes and stuff, so... I think you're right. I think you could probably make it work for Gorham, but it se- it does feel like most witches just aren't going to fit the bill. Yeah. Same as same as Sorcerer, a wizard who's casting a lot of attack and damage magic mm-hmm. would probably fit right in with the with the Goramites. Yeah. Uh, especially transmutation wizards, uh transmuters can empower themselves and also go into the fray. Again, maybe not a thing I really recommend, but in in a story, if someone casts, uh, you know, stone stone skin on themselves and casts, um, you know, true strike and the like, you're you're going in and, and fighting people directly. Great, great, go for it. That's a cool way to do that. Now, if if one of these classes, if one of these Goramites did a really good job, what? How might Goram bestow his blessing? Well, wouldn't you know it? That's actually something that's mes- that's something that's actually mechanically represented in the Gods and Magic book. There are boons and curses for the twenty core deities. They're called divine intercessions. These are just kind of little GM rewards that you can grant at any time uh, and take them away at any time. Or alternatively, they're little GM penalties that you, you grant. Basically, if in the story it makes sense that you pleased Gorum or you particularly upset Gorum, maybe he'll he'll give you a boon or a curse. So some of these boons uh, that we have here, which are nowhere near exhaustive, you can come up with new ones, but one of them, is the minor boon is at any time you can just draw a weapon from kind of out of nowhere and you have an iron weapon that Gorum grants you and as long as you keep fighting with it, it's yours to keep. It's pretty cool. Uh, another thing is you can make your greatsword attack all the more powerful. You can get your greatsword strikes a forceful trait. And uh, the major boon that Gorham grants is the ability to keep on fighting. If you would go down at uh, zero hit points, you instead get restored back up to half of your maximum hit points and keep fighting. Though you do become doomed one in the process or increase your doom condition. I so. feel like you have to have really impressed Gorham to make to make that one happen. Like, what would you have to do to get that kind of major boon? I think if you are, like, the last warrior standing in a super-duper tough fight, we're talking, like, end-game campaign, uh, final boss battle, and it's just you left, and you're getting close to winning, it's not necessarily, like, a done deal that if you get one more attack in, you're going to win, but, hey... Gorham is excited to see how this fight plays out and wants to keep it going for just another round or two. He'll do that. That sounds that sounds cool. That actually makes a lot of sense too. He just wants to see the fight unfold. Just gotta keep yeah. fighting. It's a it's been a worthy fight. It's a it's a fight worthy of his attention. So he wants it to keep going for a, a little bit longer. And whether or not you win, we'll see. But uh, it would still be a glorious battle in the end. Now, if you once fought in the name of Gorham, but now you have turned to a life of cowardice or slaughter of the innocents, you might draw a curse from Gorham. With your minor curse, uh, he's going to reward your cowardice with frailty. Any armor or shield that you wear or wield is going to reduce its AC bonus by two, so you're just going to be easier to hit. 
the moderate curse is that your attacks with your weapons or your unarmed <laughs> attacks, they decrease in damage by one step. I know that we don't use a D3 here in Pathfinder, but I would definitely make my, my players roll a D3 with their fist attacks. <laughs> I would definitely do that. Or the major curse is you just get tuckered out when combat starts. It's just you get so tired. As soon as combat starts, you're fatigued and you're slowed one. And for every round, you just keep getting more slowed until you're just too tired to do anything. Oh, poor baby. Poor little tuckered out baby. Poor little tuckered out baby. Don't slaughter innocents and don't be a coward. Yeah. I feel like... I feel like on all of these divine intercessions, I don't think you're going to gain the God's curse unless like one of two things happen. Maybe if you defile a shrine that they really liked mm -hmm. or if you were once one of their worshipers and yeah. now you have done their anathema, I think you might earn the curse. Yeah. I think the, any common situation where, you know, the GM isn't being a jerk, but you would have fallen as a paladin. If you think about that kind of stuff, that's probably earned you a curse. Yeah, but I feel like if you were never a Gorum worshiper and you're a coward and you slaughter innocents, he's not going to like you, but no. I don't think that would earn no. his curse. No, I don't think so. I think you have to have been someone that Gorum paid attention to beforehand and yeah. becomes disappointed or upset with. Now, I've got in here that I just want to kind of brainstorm a little bit. Like... You don't think that, you know, they have any holidays, but you kind of touched on what I was thinking, where, like, maybe they would commemorate, like, a big mm -hmm. battle. Like, they would get together. I wonder I wonder if they would do, like, reenactments, like what we have, like the Civil War reenactors. I wonder if they do stuff like that. They might, especially because that's a great way to have a duel or, or, or get into some combat for the day if you're the kind of person that wants to get into a fight every day, you know. Can, and then after that, all the Goromites go to the tavern when they're done, and they just drink together, I and probably like, get into more fights too. <laughs> see, like that's kind of that that's kind of like a nice Goromite holiday, you know? Sure, but that wouldn't be on a book anywhere. That wouldn't be written in a, a scroll or anything. That's no, just I don't a, think it would either. And if you go from you know, hey, in this fortress where we worship Gorum, we kind of celebrate this fight every year. If you go to another keep, uh, you know, in the the next nation over, they they have their own different holiday fight that they do so yeah i feel like that's probably how the holidays would work for goromites mm -hmm. holy sites man like any battlefield is gonna be like a holy site right mm -hmm. yeah but also i think a forge is a great place oh yeah like 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 a war forge all of the swords that, that took part in in the war were made at this forge and I think any keep or castle or anything that has seen lots of battles over the years is probably holy uh, in some way. You know, it keeps winning in, in the same way that the warriors keep winning. Or like, how do you feel about like contested land? Like, like one nation takes this castle, another nation come and takes the castle back and they just go back and forth on it. What do you think about, about that? Um, I think it's a great battleground. So probably a place that Gorum loves to, to bless in some ways, or at least keep an eye on, you know. Um, would it be a place that you come and, like, pray at? I don't... I don't know. Maybe. I mean, you would have your prayers before a, a fight, but maybe not in the same way that you're like, yo, Gorum, I love you. Well, <laughs> As opposed to, Gorum, give me strength. Well, so what does praying to Gorum look like then? I think most prayers to Gorum are requests for strength or the witness me 
uh, of Pathfinder. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. Um, for the most part, it's you know, hey, keep keep an eye on me. Make sure I um, I live up to your your values and what you're looking for. Witness th- me is, I think, the perfect representation of a prayer to Gorham. It is. I think that a priest of Gorham might host duels as prayer. Mm-hmm. You know, come to prayer yeah. hour. I'm going to punch you in the face. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah. That's Sunday school. <laughs> That's Sunday school. Yeah. He's going and all the kids fight in like these, these, with like these little wooden swords. I feel, I also feel like you're kind of deep in prayer if you're sitting there and you're like sharpening your sword or like maintaining it with like, you know, nice sword oil. I know, like, you oil your guns. Do you think you would oil your swords? Probably not. Um, would you lo- Would you oil leather armor, maybe? You I oil leather armor, I think. Yeah. Something. Yeah, I mean, maintaining your weapons Maintaining your weapons and armor. That's definitely, like, like a sacred and thing. Prayer. Um, the, the 1E rules had a thing called uh, obediences, where you had to, like, commit to a, a specific ritual or rite every day to get an extra bonus. And that one has you dress up in the heaviest set of metal armor you own, shout your loyalty to Gorum at the top of your lungs, and like clashing your weapon against your armor or against your shield, and then um, recite your victories in battle for like the next hour and just like focus on like here's every time I've won. That sounds nice. Just like reflecting on the good fights you've had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that sounds good. Well, let's 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 answer some questions from our listeners. From user Brian Lane, Lane. he uh, lives in Elysium? I always thought that was a happy place. This is an interesting tidbit in in the, the lore uh, of Gorham. So yeah, Gorham's realm is in Elysium. And Elysium is, I think it's a neutral good plane. I'm trying to remember which one Elysium is. It's one of the good planes. Um, and... The the suggestion is that Gorham over the years has be, been an ally to the gods in countless battles, right? Gorham is ready to fight, and he kind of doesn't really care who he fights alongside as long as it's gl- a glorious fight. So maybe he's fought alongside, you know, Asmodeus as well as Serenray and all the, uh, you know, evil and good gods alike. Um, and the suggestion with his realm in Elysium is that he might have earned it for his help with helping some of the gods. There is a circle of ancient weathered stones, each impaled with a gleaming, untarnished Azada blade uh, that surrounds his realm in Elysium. And in Celestial um, and other languages inscribed on the blades is a phrase, thus the pledge is sealed, and thus you are accepted forever with our thanks, come what may. So, being like the, the biggest, awesomest, coolest fighter dude ever, he helped out with something really important and earned a, a cool spot to hang out in Elysium. I feel like his realm is probably Valhalla. You know? Yes. Uh, like, his realm is described as an enormous battlefield where you just are con- constantly fighting. And you know what? If it's a good plane and you're there to enjoy yourself, that's how Gorham and his followers enjoy themselves. Well, I think you've kind of touched on the next question from user <laughs> Mirror. What are some interesting interactions you think he'd have with the other gods? Yeah, he, as I mentioned, he, he's worked with, with the gods a lot, 
you know, I'm sure countless times throughout history in battles that we've never even known about. Um, I don't think he was there during the sealing of Rovagug. I don't think he had shown up yet. Um, but yeah, he, he works with any god. The interesting thing to me is how much he hates Urgothoa. He is not at all into the the undeath. He believes death itself is the glory and trying to like counter death through undeath is like, that's not what we're here to do. We're here to die gloriously in battle and you're kind of ruining that. And also you keep like infecting people with diseases and stuff <laughs> and they die on a sick bed rather than out on the battlefield that's terrible this is <laughs> terrible he's not really into that um so he's he's not really into that kind of fighting he's not into the secretive assassinations of, of norgorber um so he, he's he just wants a good time out on the battlefield and and to prove how strong he is um and whoever that might whoever might offer that to him he's for it right i wonder if he taught like any of the gods like how to fight you know uh, there, there is a, a bit of that actually. Uh, Felena, uh, who is a a god in Knights of Lastfall, she's also kind of a combat focused god. Um, it says that they kind of exchange um, training and philosophy every once in a while. They they swap techniques. So uh, there there might also be stuff that he learned from others. He's like, oh yeah, this is an even better way to fight. Heck yeah, I don't care what it is. It's gonna make me stronger. Nice. From one of our patrons, Dom. Can you give an example of a good or lawful character who might choose to worship Gorum? Good or lawful character. Um, I think lawful you're going to run into a few more problems because you're going to be like, oh, you know, you got to fight this particular way and this is the most honorable way. And Gorum's like, if it's strong, I don't care. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think you can be a good character um, and fight for Gorum. Obviously, the rules don't necessarily allow for that, but um, you can still be good and be out there enjoying uh, your your battles and, and proving that you're strong. You might just happen to do it by taking out the world's villains, right? See, I think there's a strong place for lawful characters among mm -hmm. the Goromites. Because, like, soldiers have to be lawful. I mean, you know, not really, but, like, kind of. Like, you have to, like, follow the rules of the regiment. And, and, and sure. you, you get up at the right time, you eat the food at the right time, you, you do the drills at the right time. I feel like soldiers are going to be lawful, and a lot of them are going to pay lip service to Gorham, for sure. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, one more question here from our patron, Gina B. Why is the anathema of kill prisoners or surrounding foes? Yeah, why, why is that a thing? Mercy doesn't seem very warlike. I don't think it's really that he wants mercy. It's he's pro battle. He's pro mm -hmm. like showing your strength, but he's not pro slaughter. You know, sure. he he's not in it just for the sake of killing. I, I don't think he's the god of he's not the god of random violence. He's the god of battles. You know, glorious battle. Yeah, there there's not glory in fighting someone who can't defend themselves or has already given up. Right. At that point, you're not proving anything. You're just like, oh, I know how to swing this sword. Yeah. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, any prisoners or, or people that surrender that you just kill 
were denied the chance to prove themselves again in later battles. Well, with that, it is time to make a tactical retreat. Because that's all we have for you today. Make sure to check out the rest of our content on the No Direction Network. If you like this show or any of other blogs or shows, please consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash no direction. Because it's the support of our patrons that make this all possible. Until next time, I'm Luis. And I'm Lauren. Thanks for listening to Legend Lore. And as always, it's been legendary. Legendary.